This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com here with Scott Eklund, and we are inside Husky Stadium again in the... uh, in the media room, the smaller media room today on Friday, um, was thinking, ideally, Scott, that we were going to be seeing a little bit of stuff today, but that they were going to be maybe saving some of their stuff for Saturday's, what we thought was going to be a scrimmage. But as it turned out, we just got done talking to Kalen DeBoer, and, and he told us that they did like a 75 to 80 play right. scrimmage yep. today, which we actually saw five plays of, the first five plays and that uh, they will not be going full pads on Saturday. So I don't know if that's going to affect fans' enthusiasm or their interest in coming out to see practice, but he did still intimate that there's going to be a lot of periods. It's going to be a full two-hour practice. There's going to be a lot of maybe some one-on-one, some 11-on-11 situations. And seven-on-seven. And seven-on-seven situations. But right now we were under the impression the scrimmage was going to happen Saturday, but actually the scrimmage happened today. Yeah, I mean, when I saw him in full pads today, I was like, oh. Yeah, they must be scrimmaging today because the full contingent of officials were yeah, out there. Yeah, because it's too, usually so. flipped, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I had a feeling we probably weren't going to see a full-on scrimmage uh, tomorrow, but it will be good to at least see 11 on 11 and who's running with what and making plays and doing some different things. But it's not going to be a full contact scrimmage or anything like that. Yeah, and just to let people know, I will be putting out something later tonight. Uh, available either very late tonight or first thing in the morning that will give people an idea of kind of a two deeps, the names and numbers to watch out for. Um, that comes with a huge caveat, like about 10 asterisks, because I asked mm-hmm. I asked DeBoer right off the bat, because we were, again, we were under the impression it was going to be a scrimmage. So I said, for the fans, who can you tell us who will not be available that you're holding yep. out because they held out a lot of guys for last Friday's scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And he kind of he kind of chuckled and said that's really a difficult question because first of all, we scrimmaged today. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be probably be doing the same things we did then. Um, and but he also said that there might be some guys who are dinged up from the scrimmage. He mentioned Jordan Perryman, he mentioned guys like Henry Bainavalu. I mean there were some some guys that weren't mm-hmm. there today um, that we didn't see that we, you know, I would have probably anticipated may not have been mm-hmm. available for a scrimmage Saturday. They were there today. Mm-hmm. My hint my hint, or my hunch, because I, we didn't see them come out with the ones, yep. was that they were probably held out today as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're, I wouldn't say they're on tender hooks. I don't know how to characterize it, but they're, they're, they're definitely being very cautious about what they're doing with their guys. Because we did get to see some, some live tackling for the first time all spring, and I don't know if that was something that yeah. we were supposed to catch five plays and then go inside, but we got to see some guys make a couple plays. It was nice to see. But, you know, have, I, we have no idea how many guys yeah. are banged up and are hurting simply because of how much time they may have scrimmaged yeah. outside of what we've gotten to see. And, and DeBoer also mentioned that there was some sickness going around. He go, not COVID. Yes, not COVID. He made sure to say it's Underli- not COVID. Underline that yeah. three times yeah. with exclamation and points. put it in red. 
yeah. that it's not COVID, but um, I, I mean, I'm dealing with a cold, yeah. you know, and that's gone around my family. There's been a stomach There's bug going seasonal going allergies around, yeah. in the spring. There's been a stomach bug going yeah. around too. So um, there might be like Nick Kleppa wasn't at practice today at all. Yeah. And <clears throat> is that because he was sick or was that because he's injured? We don't know. Right. Um, Garen, but he's, but he, he's been around. Yeah. So it's not like he's been no, hurt. No. Gear and Hatchet. Um, took his spot with the first team at left tackle. Or, I'm left. sorry, at left guard. And um, so that's just, you know, tomorrow when, when they come and they, they line up, Kaleppo may be out there. He may not. So that's worth keeping an eye on. But um, who are there? there uh, I mean, Mark. Kobe Covington was a guy on defense Covington I didn't was see also today. Not there, yeah. Um, and, so. uh, um, um, you know, uh, Carson Bruner um, has still, even though he's been out there running yeah. around, yeah. he hasn't been. Uh, Cam Bright and Tupatala are the ones taking the reps with the ones, and King and uh, Demario King and um, Daniel Haymuli. Daniel Haymuli were the ones taking with the. Tips, and I've even so. seen Fowler come yeah. in from time to yeah. time. So it's even though he's doing a lot of the individual stuff, I think the point we want to make sure to underscore is that these guys are getting a lot of work in. But when there's team periods or things like that, Contact. there are some guys that we would expect to be starters, or or, at least or, or really important two yeah. deep guys. That are being held out, mm-hmm. and and so that don't read anything more into that other than they're clearly being held out mm-hmm. for various precautions, or like you said, they could be sick, mm-hmm. um, you know what have you. So there's again letting people know that this two deep is going to be out, but it mm-hmm. should be taken with a massive grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But it is based on the guys that we've seen the most, because yep. I think you mentioned even in the last podcast, Scott, that when you look at those front lines, front sevens for for both sides of the line of scrimmage, they really have not altered all that much. No, not at all. Just mm-hmm. the occasional guy, like you said, you know, a guy like Hatchet comes in for Kalepo, or sometimes if you're looking at the front seven defensively, you have to determine whether or not the nickel is in or whether they go heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just some different yep. things that are going on. But basically speaking, the, the two deeps on those front lines have been really well, very similar. Well, there was that day that uh, Melee was taking reps at the center. Right. And... Uh, Roger Rosengarten was the one taking right tackle reps. Yeah, and I've even so. seen, I saw some of the offensive line today, they were doing some stuff, and in the tackle um, in the tackle group was Parker Brailsford. Mm-hmm. Even though I, I don't know if I had, had seen him actually working at tackles at all um, yeah. most of the spring. He's so, an interior guy, typically. Yeah, and so I don't know if that was done just to fill the numbers for that particular drill. Again, mm-hmm. just to underscore a lot of movement going on, a lot of other things. Um, but I will be putting out that list later tonight as kind of a guidepost yep. for people, and, and with numbers too, so you mm-hmm. can look at number and because there's going to be a lot of changes too, because people may not realize that Dominique Hampton is seven now instead of 21, mm-hmm. or what's what's another one? Um, Fabi Kalanen is 13 now yeah. instead of 31, and Romo Dunsey and Romo Dunsey instead of 16, 16. exactly, so. and then uh, and then Giles Jackson went from zero to eight to zero, yeah. <laughs> So again, no, 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 no judgment. No judgment at all. But sometimes these things are hard to track. Yeah. Sometimes, um, just to let you guys know as well, there were a bunch of things going on today. Um, they didn't have a ton of recruits out today. Uh, some of the FSP guys were out today. A little smaller contingent that we saw. Um, I think you saw Jerry on Dickey was here. Yeah, he's a wide receiver out of East Palo Alto, four-star yeah. guy that one of the higher-rated receivers that Washington has a pretty good shot with. Yep. So. And then uh, Kalen DeBoer went and spoke to a bunch of people. They had kind of a corporate outing in the touchdown terraces. Uh, Sonny Sixkiller was really involved. Got a chance to talk and catch up with Sonny a little bit. It's always good to talk to him. Well, we were wondering if that was an NIL thing. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it's not. It's just it's something not. that they were doing corporate. Yeah. It's, which, you corporate know, sponsorships. sometimes it's hard to tell how these things kind of mix 
politics no, nowadays. Yeah. Nowadays, they all kind of bleed in, into each other. But he, he, he made a point to say it wasn't it, it mm-hmm. had nothing to do with yeah. NIL. Um, and then there was uh, former coaches again. Coach Baird, Coach Hart were again out of practice today, which I uh, find interesting. That's good. I mean, Baird has been always never present the last uh, handful of years. But, but mm-hmm. Coach Hart, obviously, coming back to the area. Um, he's been to a lot of practices this spring. And then we saw Johnny About DeRocher. half of them, at least, yeah. that I remember for yep. Hart. Yep. Yeah, and then we saw Johnny DeRocher, uh, former Washington quarterback, who's yep. now uh, coaching receivers at PLU. He got roped into to doing some college coaching. So uh, good on Johnny, and it'll be good to catch up with him. Obviously, he'll be right front and center at the PLU camp at the end of June. Um, I'm sure we'll have a, a bunch of guys down there for that. Mm-hmm. Um, One thing that people need to know too is Johnny DeRocher worked a lot with Dylan Morris. Yeah, and when he was, and he was talking with Dylan and his yeah. and, and and whatnot after practice yeah. a little bit. So, you know, uh, Johnny did a lot <clears throat> before Reggie Jones kind of came in and took over, or I guess Reggie Jones left. Yeah, and um, oh, at air at air, yeah. and then it, no, I can't remember exactly how it all worked out, but Johnny kind of took over. For Reggie for a while, and uh, he was Dylan, certainly involved. Dylan Morris was his yeah. quarterback, and so he worked a lot with him, and and has a really good good relationship with that family. So, so let's go into a couple some a couple of things that Coach DeBoer said after practice. Again, we talked about the major scrimmage was today, seventy five eighty plays is what he said. Um, they'll they they won't be in full pads on Saturday, but um, you know just a couple of a couple of the spotlighted things because people asked you asked for the. For the call-outs, the Friday call-outs. Uh-huh. And, uh, they didn't do any today. And he said it was interesting because, yeah, they, they were, they were going to save those for tomorrow. But he did say that he's been really impressed, and he said throughout the, the interview that the edge players have really mm-hmm. impressed him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, Jeremiah Martin, Braylon Trice, Savelle Smalls, Zion Tupuola Fatui, those are the four guys that we see when we watch practice because we usually only see the first two teams. Um, hasn't mentioned Jordan Olohea, how he's coming along. Um, has not really mentioned, um, you know, some of the other guys. Maurice Himes got a few reps in there with the ones one time, but he hasn't gotten any, you know, the coach hasn't really talked much about him um, or anything. But uh, he said those guys are causing some problems off the edge right yeah. now. They're causing some problems, um, good problems, good problems for the defense, bad problems for the offense, right? And uh, uh, just said all, listed all four of those guys as all making plays right now. Savelle Smalls, Zion Tupuola Fatui with the twos, and then Braylon Trice and Jeremiah Martin with the ones. And so, of course, with the coaching hat on, as he always does, mm-hmm. you know, I'm wondering, he didn't say this specifically or spell it out, but Chris Peterson used to talk about this all the time. When those guys are doing really, really well, does that mean the tackles are mm-hmm. struggling? Mm-hmm. And, of course, now you're thinking, you know, Jackson Kirkland, he may come back. Still no word on what his waiver request yep. is. But when you have Troy Fautanu there, you've got Victor Kern, who's now moved inside. Mm-hmm. So you have Matteo Mele, who's getting full reps out there now outside. Are you But maybe Henry Benavalu could right. screw that all up. But so, are you seeing yeah. maybe some benefits to the edge guys because they're going up against guys that might wouldn't be have there. been well. They wouldn't be as experienced clearly as Kern and Kirkland mm-hmm. in an ideal situation. Because I think if you would have given fans a hypothetical and said, "Hey, the first game of the 2022 season, what are the odds that Jackson Kirkland, if he gets the waiver request, is your left tackle and Vic Kern is your right tackle?" Mm-hmm. I think he'd probably get 100. Mm-hmm. percent Now it's looking like 50-50 at best. Yeah. Because you're only really talking about the left side with Kirkland. Yeah. And and who knows what's going to happen with that? Yeah. And then obviously they've made a a very 
deliberate move with moving Kern inside and having Melee outside. Mm-hmm. And Melee is a guy who's experienced. Don't get me wrong, but his start that he's had in his college careers was at center, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. So right tackle could still be something that he's working into. Yeah, or or Henry Bainavalo could be that guy, you know, yeah. at, at tackle and leave Kern inside. So I I don't know. I mean, I I really am. That's one of the more intriguing off season like summer things that I'm going to be looking for. And when we get into fall camp, what what does the first offensive line look like? Yeah, because it could look completely different than what we see now. It sounds like Corey Luciano has had a real um, one thing that DeBoer did say today was that Corey Luciano and Troy Fautano. Yep. have been the most consistent guys along the offensive line yep. all all spring long, and he's been really happy with how they've played. Yeah, and then another guy, Julius Bulo. I mean, mm-hmm. is he a guy that could float either left or right? Because he's mm-hmm. been really on the left side mm-hmm. for this spring. But again, and then Ro- Roger Rosengarten was a guy that we saw get time at times on both, on both sides, both tackles last year, but he's really been a right-sided player this mm-hmm. year. Does he factor in now? Yeah. All of a sudden, does he move into maybe contention to be that and, number one right tackle? Well, and one thing that we should ask Scott Huff about next week when we get a chance to talk to him and or Coach DeBoer um, is what does – because you have two left-handed quarterbacks as your possibilities and one who we think, at least at this point in time, who is is probably your starter or at least the – odds-on favorite to be the starter, and Michael Penix, they're, they're left-handed, and Sam Heward's left-handed. Are you putting guys who normally would be left tackles for you with a right-handed quarterback, are you moving them to the right tackle spot, or are you just leaving them how you normally would and and saying this is the guy, this, these are the guys we're going to run out here regardless of who our quarterback is? And I think it's a good shot with Banafalu, Scott, because if – you really took a poll in the last couple of years. A lot of guys would say the most athletic overall yeah. lineman on the front five is Bainavalu when mm-hmm. he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we didn't think he was coming back because his health was a concern. Yeah. But now that apparently he's on his way back and, and looks like he's going to be available, mm-hmm. even though it has been a little hit and miss. And, again, could that be because... He's out practicing. He's but, out practicing, but yeah. is that because they're deliberately trying to bring him along a little slower so that yeah. he's ready to go in the fall? Or is he suffering some setbacks? We yeah, just don't know. I don't know. But when it comes to the most athletic guy out there, you might want to put the most athletic guy out there on the right-hand side right, if you're tackle. protecting yeah. that left-handed quarterback's blind side. Yeah, so it's it's going to be real interesting. I mean, there, you, know, it's, you know, we always say these are interesting or whatever, but the position battles – can always kind of work themselves out. The the running back room, I think, is going to be real interesting to watch how that thing and progresses. We are going to address that in a second. But but the offensive line group, man, I just, I don't know. I mean, you could be looking at five, di- I mean, it, other than center, because it sounds like Luciano has really kind of shored up that spot. He certainly has himself. gotten the number one, the yeah. massive amount of number one reps. But I think the other four spots are all, going to look could look completely different when when we're when we're talking about the start of fall camp in early august right i mean it it could just look totally different kirkland could be a left tackle where's troy fautano i mean uh coach DeBoer said it himself today he's played himself into a position where we're going to find a place for him on the field he would be your left guard yeah probably probably but do we know? What if Nate Kaleppo's playing really well there? Or Garen Hatchett when he gets a chance? Well, what about the coaching dilemma where yeah. you're Scott Huff and you know probably you have the best the best five, maybe if you put Kirkland out to the right, mm-hmm. 
against with the left-handed quarterback, yeah. but you also are weighing that against the idea that and he has he is played a left, on the right but side. he's probably a left tackle at the next level. Yeah, and what's what? Yeah. Why is he back? See, I personally think Kirkland is a guard at the next level. Well, it could but, be, but um, in, in college he can play tackle, but and he has played right guard, so the footwork isn't that much different for him at right tackle. So wait, are before. you so are you suggesting there's a potential that they keep? Troy Fautani at yep. left tackle and move Kirkland inside? Yep. No. I think there's a potential that he's that Fautani is your left tackle. That's what I'm saying. And, and you move Kirkland no, inside. No, Kirkland is on the right side. Okay. At right tackle. Because I'm saying if, if you do feel that way, if you think he's an interior player in the NFL, mm-hmm. he's always – I mean, yes, he played right guard his first year. Like, the, you know, he had that start first two against years. Auburn and whatnot. So he has the potential of playing on that side, no doubt. Uh-huh. But lately, the last couple of years, it's been all on the left side. Yep. So I know. I'm, I'm sure the conversation is so between many those. different ways that this could go. That's why I think it's so intriguing yeah. to, to kind of see how they're going to. Because if you're trying to find the best five, I think if you're laying out the best five and they're all healthy, yeah. let's say they're all healthy, I think Bainavalu, Kirkland, Fautanu, probably Luciano, and either Kern or um, Mateo Mele are your guys. Yeah. If Mateo Mele is one of your guys, then and Kirkland is one of your guys, then maybe you leave those guys outside because Mateo Mele is probably more of a tackle than a guard. Yeah. And you know, but I think those are probably your top five guys right there is Bainavalu and Fautanu probably at the guards. Kirkland and Mateo Mele at the tackles, and then Luciano at the center. But I don't know. I don't know how they mix and match I was it. Saying, you're going you're to take a two-year starter with Kern and say he's yeah. not one of your top five it, guys? I, and this is the thing. I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't <laughs> you, know. You've started to unravel this yeah. ball of spaghetti yeah. that I didn't even think about. Yeah. And now I'm really getting to the point where my mind is blown because I could conceivably think of a situation where the only guy whose spot at the end of spring would be solidified mm-hmm. in my mind is Corey Luciano. Yeah, me too. And that, I mean, if you would have told me that at the beginning of spring, I would have said, you are outside of your mind. Uh-huh. There's know. just no way. I know. So A lot of different things that could happen with that group. Yeah, it's, that, that's it's pretty gonna crazy. Be, it's going to be a weird group to watch here over the next week as we go through the... I, I think it'll probably, as long as there's no injuries, knock yeah. on wood, that yeah. there's... It'll probably look the same as we've seen it all spring. But fall, yeah. fall camp starting August, it could look completely different. And and we've seen that before. I remember when Mike Dembrock was the was the O line coach, and we've seen it before where these this one group practiced. The, and I think Chris Strauser did it too. This group practices together, practices together, practices together, and then the first game completely different yeah. than what we had seen practice. Yeah, pull the pull the fun fun. Yeah, I think they did it on purpose. The three guard money. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Let's jump to the receivers, because okay. that was one of the other groups that DeBoer really singled out. He was asked about 
Um, he made a point of saying Jalen Polk really stepped up during yeah. their scrimmage point Sounds today. Sounds like he's had a really good couple couple of weeks. He made it kind of characterize Jalen Polk. He calls him JP. Yeah. He characterizes him as a guy that may be a real third down dependable guy. Yeah. Like a like yep. a true possession guy. Yeah. Like a guy that he guy knows, like work inside the hashes. He's going to get open. Like he, yeah. the, the quarterback's going to find him no matter what. He could be the first progression. He could be the third guy. Uh-huh. But he is. He knows that no matter where he is. In, in the tree, he's going to find him. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I, I should have asked you. I did not – I'm not sure if I saw Jalen McMillan out there today. Did you see him? Because um, he wasn't out there on Wednesday. Jalen McMillan. Oh, um, I, I saw him out there today. Yeah. But he was not doing uh, the 11 on 11. Again, another guy in yeah. limbo. He not was sure not in any or, install or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, not sure if he's sick or anything like that. But – Polk was clearly the guy that they he saw stand out. Yeah, Polk, O'Dunsey, and Giles Jackson were the three that were running yeah, with when the they came out in the first. Year. Yeah, yep. the five scrimmage plays that we saw. Yeah, those were the three guys that yep. came out for sure. So, um, and Dylan yeah. Morris was the quarterback, by the way. I couldn't so. be happier for a guy like Jalen Polk. I yeah. mean, for a guy who literally got mm-hmm. hurt the very first play, he just first catch, first catch yeah. at Washington gets hurt. Yeah, I mean it. Just I mean, granted, he came back and had a you know big big plays against Colorado and had big couple big plays. Excuse me in the Apple Cup, but he, man he, alive! You I know mean, what is scary? He had the longest. I it, it, if it was that that long touchdown Colorado? against Colorado. Yeah. I think it was. I I could be wrong. It might have been second longest, but I think it was the longest play from scrimmage. Yeah, all game all season long. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I mean, it it really should. Never and he only have come played in that. three games. Yeah, so. Um, was there anything else about the receivers outside of him that he really mentioned? Because I he not really. really focused I mean, on he, Polk. he said Giles Jackson a little bit has been has been a guy that they can use in a lot of different ways. I mean, we've talked about the fact that he was getting some carries out of the backfield every now and then, and and that kind of stuff. But um, you know, I think that's kind of all he really talked about. He didn't. He just went really in depth on on Polk a little bit. Moving into the backfield. I mean, I mean, obviously, we've talked about the quarterback. We talk about the quarterbacks all day long. We have, but let's focus a little I don't bit think more. We need re- to talk, yeah, much about. But the you brought up the, re- yeah. the running backs, and we need to talk about them. Um, hopefully, people got a chance to see the the quotes from Lee Marks um, on the the profile that we did on Wayne Tavola Papa mm-hmm. and uh, Will Nixon. Great, great stuff from him. And yeah. I specifically asked the board, to, you know, today about it. it's like, were you got? Was it just a happy accident, or did you guys really yeah. have? Um, an understanding coming into spring of just how how frail the group was going to be because you literally yeah. only have two scholarship guys that are running between Aaron Dumas and JV on Sunday because now even the walk on Gabe Nelson he was in yellow today and and obviously we haven't seen uh, really all that much active in terms of Sam Adams he's been out there he's been practicing but half the time he's been in yellow mm-hmm. so um, and he just said I mean and and I don't think he gave up too much about it because so I don't want to read too much into it but man he certainly seemed to intimate that it wasn't just a Mecca Megua that's really going to yeah. struggle to come back and be 100% healthy for fall it could be numerous guys yeah. I, and I don't want to speculate but clearly everyone knows the names that are already out yeah and there's one guy who's dealt with injuries basically since he's been here and that's Richard Newton yeah. and so that's the guy that I fear could be. I think he's such a dynamic guy when he's healthy. Yeah. I think he can be such a special player. But and this is the worst case scenario too because to everyone understands that the portal is is just part and parcel of the of the mm-hmm. college football experience now. And everyone has that one time free chance they can go and, and reinvent themselves or go to a place where they know they can play. 
I think a lot of fans were sitting there going, with all these guys coming in, there's going to have to be some attrition. Well, I think we all assumed the attrition was just going to be via the portal. They're going to go somewhere else. They're going to have a chance to reinvent themselves or have a, a, a different slant on things. But now I'm starting to feel that maybe we might see some retirements in our future. And I don't, I, or that's the, not. Or at the very least, guys who just aren't going to play this year. Yeah. And again, like yeah. I said, I, I, I'd be, I, I really don't want to talk out of turn. I don't want to jump five steps ahead. Um, but just based on what DeBoer said today, mm-hmm. it's really it's not hard to start to think about some of the futures of some of these guys that we haven't seen much, mm-hmm. if at all, this spring. And for for those who might be getting concerned now, we're we are not hearing anything on the back end that yeah. that DeBoer is hinting at that makes us say these things. It's more just okay. The way he talked today, it sounded like there's some going to be some guys who might not be available at all. Well, this year. and it's just the numbers. So, I mean, the numbers yeah. bear it out. It's like mm-hmm. you literally had signed three players from the transfer portal, and again setting and up a position a, group that see, already had a lot of people. If, if we had set up a hypothetical with Husky fans, knowing you've got Richard Newton, you've got JV on Sunday, you've got Cameron Davis. You've got Caleb Berry. Caleb Berry. You've got Emeka Megwa. You've got all these guys. By the way, Berry was out there again. Yeah, and Caleb, and Caleb Berry might be one of the guys that's still kind of rounding yeah. in, but he's mm-hmm. at least been around a little yeah. bit. If all those guys out there, Sam Adams, you have that entire room, mm-hmm. you would have thought of, um, of almost all the position groups that Kalen DeBoer and the new staff would have said, man, this, this group is loaded. This group mm-hmm. has bodies. They're talented. Four-star guys. Every, everything's good to go. You would have thought running back. Right, mm-hmm. they have literally signed three guys out of the portal to add to the running backs room. Mm-hmm. That thing has turned into such a paper tiger. That whole entire room—it's absolutely yeah. stunning to me. Yeah, how the fortunes have turned in that room like 180 degrees. It went from a room that looked like it was stacked, and you just bring in one guy after another after another, mm-hmm. and you just bury, 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 to now all of a sudden being like, I don't know if any of those guys are going to play. Yeah. I feel I, re- I really, really wonder if those guys are going to play. I know there's part of me that thinks that the three transfers, Talapapa, Aaron, Aaron Dumas, and, uh, Will Nixon. and Will Nixon, will be the guys who get up most of the carries this year. You wouldn't think they'd sign to come and sit. Yeah. I mean, as much as Patrick O'Brien yeah. didn't want to come to play uh, to, to sit. Granted, but, granted, Will Nixon's going to have four years. And he's also a, a different kind. He's like a Josh yeah. Jackson kind of guy. Yeah, he'll have four seasons available to him. Yeah. Whereas uh, Papa will just have one. Yeah. And Aaron Dumas has uh, at least two more, if not three more years yeah. um, to play. So, yeah. I, I think he's got two more because I think he was a true freshman last year. Yes, so, so he's got he, three more. Yeah, so the, he, missed the, he missed the COVID year. Yeah, so he's got three more. Yeah, including this year. Including this year. Yeah. And um, But if he's good enough, he could go pro after two. Yeah. Two seasons. So, yeah, I, I just... I have no idea what what to expect from the running back room right yeah. now. And the thing is, my my fear isn't so much that they that they aren't going to be able to transfer and stuff because I know Washington, all the Washington fans are like we don't ever want guys. You know, but you have to understand attrition is part of the game. Yeah. If if you if you as a fan you got to understand guys come and go. That's part of the reason mm-hmm. most people love college football because there's always new blood in and out yep. all the time. What I'm afraid of and what it would scare me is the fact that these guys aren't going to even maybe get an opportunity to show themselves at another place. Yeah. And that's what you want. You hope that at least they have a good career somewhere else. They made the right decision for themselves. They did all those. They did the right thing. And now you're like, what happens if they don't even get that opportunity? Yeah. That that's what would worry me mm-hmm. because I would want I would want to see good things happen to those guys because 
Richard Newton, solid of the earth guy. Cam mm-hmm. Davis, great guy. These guys are all great guys. You want to see them succeed. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't at Washington, you'd like to see them succeed somewhere else. Yeah, it's else. like, so be it. That's fine. It's like and, Pitt fans thinking and, about Cam Bright. They're yeah, like, you know. Everybody's worried about these guys transferring out. And, and I'm like, look, if these guys aren't going to be f- fully bought into the program. Yeah. Or, or if, can't be. Or if the coaches tell them, you're never going to play here. I'm not saying they're saying this, but it, you're never going to play here. Go find a place that you can go. Yeah. And you want that attrition. I mean, it's it's addition by subtraction, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean if they're not ready to buy in fully to the program, and maybe they would have played here, but they aren't willing to buy into the program, you don't want that in the locker room. But that's also a but fundamental part of the process it, when you're going through culture change. Yeah, but if they're not going to play, if the coaches have determined you're never going to play here, yeah. that's a... I don't want to call it a waste of a scholarship, but for the team, if you could bring in somebody else who will contribute to the team, right? then you want that open scholarship. Right. So I, I think attrition, as much as, you know, the, the problem is the people on our board that are all talking about it are people who are used to there not being a transfer portal. Right. And we, you never wanted to see attrition because you couldn't just go out and pick up someone. Right. Right? Well, and but also, now you can. And also, like, the last five, six, seven years, when you've dealt with, like, a Chris Peterson, what have you, you've dealt with a guy who has really prided himself on picking the right guys the first time. So yeah. you don't make, you don't have to worry about making that yep. mistake. You pick the right guys the first time. They stick with you. They're high-character kids. They're going to they're gonna mm-hmm. go through maybe some highs and some lows, but they're going to understand they're learning along the way, and they've made the right decision. And now is where you talk about fit yeah. in the program more than you talk about necessarily the most athletic player, right? right? And um, because if you don't have a guy, let's say you go out and you, let's say I've got a five-star and a high, high-end three-star guy, right? The five-star guy is a surefire NFL guy, right? Yep. Because from a talent standpoint. But is his head there? Is his head willing to buy into the program? A, three, a high three-star who's willing to buy into the program and wait a couple years, could still turn into an NFL guy, yeah. like the five star, and he wasn't bad in your locker room. He wasn't a guy who was ready to go after three years that you now have to replace. He's a guy who is going to be there a full four or five years, and you're going to get the most out of that guy. And a, a five star who's twenty, or a three star who's twenty two, you know, it's like Don James with the, I don't. Yeah, the best play, the, the best, best time to play freshmen is when they're, when they're seniors. seniors. Yeah, seniors. kind of thing. Or yeah, yeah when they've been here yeah. a few years. And so it's really navigating because you some five stars aren't aren't head cases. Right. Some five stars come in and they work hard and they've got the talent and they pick things up and they're they're gone in three years yeah. because they're so good. Right. But then you have some five stars who are just like, tell me how much I can make on NIL. And I don't care about your football stuff. I don't care if I fit in your system. What, what, what can you do for what me can now? What you do for me right now? Yeah. Those are the guys that Washington and probably ninety percent of the schools are going to pass on. And the ones who don't pass on them are either going to be places like Ohio State, where because, and I, I hate to, I'm, we're getting way off topic here, but oh, when Kentucky does a lot, and Duke were doing a lot of one and dones in basketball, basketball right? Yeah. But a school like Washington might be able to get a one-and-done every once in a while, but now you're replacing that guy. Instead of replacing him with another one-and-done, you're replacing him with a guy who's going to need to be there three or four years. 
right? Whereas Kentucky and Duke are just continuing to... Well, but and, if, and so that's where Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma yeah. are, where they can take those guys, those one-and-dones, or not one-and-dones, but those, those high NIL guys, and you can replace them with another high-end NIL guy, yeah. whereas Washington might not be able to do that. Well, and then I hope that it, made sense. Right, but if we're going to use Kentucky and Duke to start to go down the rabbit hole a little bit, I promise this is as far as we yeah. go. Kentucky, just they're one of their top mm-hmm. guys, Oscar Shibway, he is now going to come back to Kentucky yeah. because the NIL deal is so good mm-hmm. and this, that he doesn't even and have And this a, is a guy with yeah. a potential lottery pick. I mean, this yeah. is a guy who... He he's got millions and millions in his in his pocket anytime he wants it, but yet he would rather go back and have the college experience, mm-hmm. and and still get his millions or how, yeah, whatever or he's going to get, yeah. and then he can wait another year before going back. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we're starting to get to the point where it's not just one year nil deals that we would be dealing with. It's multiple year. Yeah. It's long standing agreements and that that you know because yeah. when with Washington. The, the whole Molly Futures and all that stuff was, was talking about, you know, they're going to try to get them in the short term, but they want to get them set up with some of these corporate things for the longer term. Well, now you're starting to see that in action, mm-hmm. but you're starting to see it at a very high level and with a lot of money involved. one of the very minor benefits of this NIL thing for the program yeah. is that if a guy – because in the NFL and in, in uh, NBA – you're, and in Major League Baseball even, but it's totally different on the college side of baseball. Yeah. But you've got – they're slotted, and they can only make a certain amount. Yep. Yeah, rookie and, contracts. Yeah, rookie contracts are completely different in NFL and NBA nowadays than they were 10, 15 years yeah. ago. And then even in baseball, you've got a lot of so, club control. Yeah, exactly. Not, not quite to the extent in the NFL, yeah. Yeah, but, it, but in baseball, you've got but five, you six could years. See, you, could, you could actually see guys stay longer, and that's better for – the sport of college basketball and college football. If the model is sustainable. Yeah, and, and then which I go, don't think is possible. We go back to Nick Saban's yeah, comments about it yeah, not it's being not sustainable. sustainable. But if guys are staying a little bit longer because they don't have to go out and cash in on the quick payday, yeah. then that's better for the, the sport. But but the irony is they are it's because they're already cashing in on yeah, the quick payday, which could kill the sport. So who knows? You know, we'll see. <laughs> it's on a knife it's edge. A, yeah, it, I, yeah. But to, to back round, to what we're talking right, about. to round this yeah. all the way back to the running backs, it's it's really kind of easy to say yeah. right now that that particular group is is a mess. It is, and it's and it's of no one's doing. It's it's injuries. Mm-hmm. It's it's guys not being healthy. It's um, you know trying to in, you know trying to bring in a guy like Aaron Dumas and, and get him ready in the system. Right? Can can these guys catch out of the backfield? One of the struggles for JV on Sunday has been him catching the ball. And one of the questions that was asked today, a good question to DeBoer was, you know, none of your running backs caught a touchdown last year. Mm-hmm. None of them. None I mean, now granted, did, yeah. wasn't your system, but none of the none of the running backs last year at Washington caught a touchdown. Do you expect that to change? He's like, yeah, of course. Well, and he said, he said, I don't expect my running backs to lead the team in receiving no. or to lead the lead it in yardage, but he goes, those guys should be third or fourth. Yeah, top top top, top three, top four minimum. Yeah, and yeah. just because we're dumping it off, we're using them in different ways, and, and things like that. No, we're it's much more about getting the running back the ball in space yeah. and letting him do his thing, whereas. You know, wide receivers need to run down the field, catch the ball. They might not be as jitterbug as a running back might be in space. Yeah. 
All right. Well, again, we we did have some yeah. some different topics there. We hopefully we we wrap that up a little bit, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in the in the in the description. Do you have any final thoughts about today's day eleven? Because right, because DeBoer kind of laid it out. He goes, so we'll have the practice on Saturday, which will be a full two hour practice, kind of what you guys mm-hmm. see. No no full pads. It'll be shells and shorts, and then they'll have two more practices: one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. And he said the one on Thursday is going to be light. Mm-hmm. Like he made it sound like it was almost going to be like a typical a walk Thursday through. or Friday walk through before a game yep. type of thing. And then obviously the spring game on Saturday. So is there anything else that you want to talk about before wrapping this up, Scott? Um, not a lot. You know, I mean, I still find it interesting that uh, Owen Prentice was taking some snaps and um, not this is where the quarterbacks are just getting the snap from the center. Yep. And things like that and he was snapping. And so I, I think Owen Prentice is a guy they're grooming as a, another center prospect for them. Um, and we've talked about it before on the podcast that Scott Huff wants four or five guys every year that he can count on to throw in there. Yeah. If they need if if your center starts getting hurt, you got to have guys who can do it. And um, from what I've seen, he looks pretty good, but he's not, he's not doing the 350-pound defensive tackle right over his <laughs> face, right? So, so who well, knows? Welcome, MJ but, but, yeah, but, he, <laughs> but that, that's what we've seen, and I, I think that's kind of important to – because he was a guy who was recruited initially to play center eventually. Sure. But um, I didn't know if that was going to be the case with the new staff. I didn't, you know, I didn't know. Granted, it's Scott Huff still, but maybe Coach Krebs says, yeah, he's going to be a guard. But he, that isn't the case. He's playing center right now. Right. The one thing, obviously, I want to let people know about today, other than the five practice, five plays that we got to see of the scrimmage, a lot of special teams work. We've seen in uh, uh, the, the ramp. I, I don't know about you, how you characterize it, Scott, but I, I feel like they've ramped up more of the special teams work as yeah. we've gone along. I think they do it for us. But, well, and that could be, <laughs> that could very well be. That could, that, that's our little pet media theory. But the one thing I, I, I've actually been surprised is I, we literally have not seen any of the kickers. Nope. Have not seen Peyton Henry take one nope. kick at all this spring. Yep. And, and very few punts. Very few punts. He's usually off doing his thing with uh, Jalen yeah, Green. And but seeing older. Kevin Ryan and seeing um, McCall, Jack McAllister, it, we've seen them. I think I literally have seen them maybe one period all spring mm-hmm. and watching Ryan kick left-footed and then kick McC- watch McAllister yeah. kick right-footed. That's, about, that's been about it. It's all been about return and cover. Yeah. And uh, I thought that's been really interesting. I mean, because mm-hmm. they were doing a lot of gunner drills today. Um, which I thought was kind of interesting. And they were doing the max protect because yep. they were backed up into the end zone. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they, they the really punt. are working a lot of situations on the special teams, but I did I did find it interesting that we still haven't really seen. And it's not like we don't know what Peyton Henry's all about. Yeah. Everyone knows what he's all about. But it's still funny that we have literally have not even seen one mm-hmm. kick like a, like a oh, yeah. they scored a touchdown. Well, let's line I'm up. I'm trying and see to what think, they, yeah. I haven't seen I one. I haven't seen it. My guess is they're doing a lot of those in – because uh, they, because Kobe, uh, Jacoby, they call him Kobe. I didn't know. Jacoby Covington had a blocked field goal last week, yeah. last Friday. So they are doing it at least a little bit. Right. So all right. Well, so we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, one thing I do want to remind people that if if you're new to listening to the podcast, uh, we also want to encourage you to subscribe to our daily newsletter, our digest. All you have to do is send an email to huskystadium at gmail.com. That's huskystadium, one word, at gmail.com. And just put in the subject line of the email, put in newsletter, and ship it to us. We'll put you on our mailing list. And we usually put out at least one or two 
uh, digests every day via email to get you updated on all the latest breaking news, uh, information on these podcasts, daily practice reports for spring. Obviously, in fall camp, we'll be doing the same thing. So, you know, that's a great way to stay in touch and, and keep up to date on what the latest is going on uh, over here at Mott Lake. So to wrap things up, for Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.